coming together as churches, I think, is a part, uh, partly demonstrating that over these uh, few weeks of Christmas. But we're in this Behold series, so let me take you to a question. Was there a time when you were a kid when you wanted something at Christmas time? That you sat on Chris, your, Santa Claus's lap, that you asked your parents, and you really wanted that one thing for Christmas, and you greatly anticipated that one thing. Well, I know for me, when I was a kid, back when the first iteration of Star Wars happened, in around 1984, 1983, I wanted the Millennium Falcon. It was the first time it came out, the, the big Millennium Falcon where you could take the top off and, and move the action figures around, and that's what I had asked Santa for for Christmas. But I knew where my parents hid the gifts from Santa. So I I snuck into my mom and dad's walk-in closet behind my mom's dresses, and that's where all the big items were were hid. And I found the Millennium Falcon. So I knew on that Christmas morning, when I walked out around the corner, the Millennium Falcon would be there from Santa. I don't know why I'm doing air quotes so much, but... But it would be there. So I remember that Christmas we got up, my brother and I, and we were in a ranch at the time, and we had to be in the hallway waiting. And I remember rounding the corner, and there it was, the Millennium Falcon, all the action figures surrounding. It was like a scene from Star Wars my parents put out. And I was excited for it. But I knew I was going to get the Millennium Falcon, right? So there was a less joy, you want to say. There was an anticipation. I knew I was going to get it compared to another Christmas that my brother and I were waiting in the hallway. I don't know if you were at your house. You kind of wait in the hallway or wait on the stairs, and your parents invite you, and it's like, it's right there. It's, but this Christmas, we, I didn't know what I was getting. I looked in my mom's closet, nothing. I was like, man, this is going to be a bad Christmas. <laughs> but we were waiting in the hallway, waiting in the hallway, and my parents said, you can come out. And I, we rounded the corner, and there was a brand-new dirt bike, BMX bike for me, and a brand-new 10-speed bike for my brother. It was the 80s, Okay. <laughs> And we were around the corner, and there was incredible joy. And I didn't know what was going to happen that Christmas. I didn't know we were going to get that gift. And that great joy, that excitement was much different from the Millennium Falcon because I knew it was going to happen. Let's contrast those stories to the way we approach Christmas. Many of us in this room approach Christmas kind of knowing what's going to happen. Yada, 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 Jesus in a manger, wrapped in clothes, donkey, manger scene, let's get over it. It's kind of like, I know it's going to happen. I'm, I know the Millennium Falcon's there. I, I'm supposed to have joy. I'm excited. It's going to be there. Compared to the Christmas that I got a bike and I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know that gift was there. The great excitement, the great joy of the blessing of that BMX bike was much different compared to knowing what was going to happen. And some of us in this room approach Christmas of like, okay, it's, it's like that. But what would it be like? If we approach the Christmas season, this series, Behold, and approaching Christmas next Sunday, or next Monday, Christmas Eve next Sunday, and this idea of anticipation, not really knowing what was going to happen. It's like a good movie. When you watch a good movie, you don't know what's going to happen. You have great joy in that entertainment. And I want to take us this morning on this journey of the shepherd's perspective on Christmas that was kind of read for us this morning. And the big idea for this morning is this. Looking at the Christmas story should shock us out of the slumber of the routine of life into a life of purpose. Some of us are in kind of the slumber of life. Christmas, buying gifts, going on Amazon every two hours to find the latest deal, or tracking our packages. There's a kind of a slumber, or or I just want to get through the year with work or school. And we're in this slumber, much like the shepherds were on that first Christmas night. And they were shocked out of the slumber of the routine of their lives to this idea of great joy and excitement of what was happening. 
You see, we all come into this room with different perspectives of Christmas, whether our age or our background of what we perceive Christmas to be. And our perception of Christmas is colored by the circumstances of our lives. A year ago this month, I performed the funeral of my grandma. She loved Christmas. She loved decorating the house for Christmas. She loved having us at her house at Christmas. But this year, Christmas is a little bit different. Grandma's not around. All those memories of going to grandma's house. So all of our perspectives are colored by our situations in life and circumstances of life and age of life and our perception of spirituality and who Jesus is. So this morning, as we take this journey, I would say, what was the perception of the shepherds that first Christmas? They were shocked out of the slumber of the routine of life to a life of purpose and meaning. And I think that's what God wants to have for us this morning. So we pick up the story in Luke chapter 2. The beginning of Luke chapter 2 is the story of Jesus being born in Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem is not this spectacular town. It's the backwoods town of Israel. It's like a one-stoplight town. There's nothing spectacular about it. Now, it's kind of spectacular because it's a tourist trap, you know, because that's where Jesus was born. But at the time, it was this backwoods town in Jerusalem, or in Israel. And this is where God chose for Jesus to be born. So he's born, and then the scene changes in the next verses in Luke chapter 8, chapter 2, verse 8. And it says this, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock at night. Angels in the field. So imagine yourself far out of Bowling Green, out of the city lights, and you're looking up at the stars, the calmness and the cool of night, and you see these spectacular stars all around you. About four weeks ago, I was roughing it for Jesus in Maui with my wife. And we actually had the opportunity to go up on top of a volcano at 2.30 in the morning to see the sunrise. But before that, it was the brilliance of the stars, the Milky Way, the shooting stars, and the the coolness and the calmness of the night. And that's where the shepherds were. And these shepherds, we think of shepherds sometimes, if you're familiar with the Bible, we think, oh, shepherds are important. Like, God calls himself a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Shepherds were nobodies in this culture. They were thieves. They were nobodies. And God's going to choose the nobodies of the culture to announce this incredible news. And maybe you feel like this morning, you're like, I don't have purpose. I don't have meaning. God could never use me. God uses a virgin woman. God uses shepherds, the nobodies, the thieves of the culture to announce this incredible news. He could have gone anywhere in the world to announce it to any major king or major news outsource of, or tweet it that day. They couldn't tweet that day. But God chose in the coolness and the calmness of the night to these lonely, nobody shepherds to announce this news. And it goes on, the story goes on, it says this. Out in the field, keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with a great fear. No kidding. So imagine you're there, the coolness of the night, it's, it's still. Or imagine like you're in a dark room and somebody flashes the light on. Flashes the light on. It's shocking. Or imagine you're walking through a dark room and you stub your toe on the end of your bed or on a dresser and you say things you shouldn't say in church. It's shocking. And that's where the shepherds were in the coolness of the night. Boom! The brightness, the Shekinah glory shone to the shepherds in their commonness of night as they're going, where are the sheep? Boom! And they're filled with a great fear because something spectacular is happening to them. It's shocking. 
They had just been sitting there half asleep in the middle of the night in the fields going, bah, where's the sheep? I don't know where it is. You wake up, Johnny. No. And boom, this happens to them. And they are filled with a great fear. No kidding. I would have probably pooped my pants. Because this is shocking them out of the slumber of their routine. And what's the slumber of your routine right now? We wake up, you brush your teeth, you put on deodorant. I hope you do. I have teenage boys. It's a fight to get deodorant on them. Literally not fight, but just encouraging them. You go through the routine, you go to work, you go to school. You come home, you eat dinner, you go to sleep, you watch your favorite show before you sleep. And you go through the routine over and over. And we miss the Christmas season because we're in the routine. But what happens if we were shocked by the true reality of the news that is about to be announced to these common shepherd men in the fields outside Jerusalem? And it goes on in verse 10. It says this. And the angel said to them, fear not. One thing I love about the messengers of God, because God is speaking to the, the angels and he's speaking through the angels and he knows that these human beings, these common people, are, are fearful. God meets us where we're at in our everyday story. And he knows these human shepherds are fearful. So he says, fear not. Let me calm your heart. For behold. For behold, meaning this idea of look into this story. Listen to this story. This news that is about to be announced. Now some of us know the words. We just heard them read beautifully or memorized beautifully by the children. And sometimes we can hear these words of the angels and be like, yada, yada, yada. But put yourself in the sandals of the shepherds in the fields that night and the Shekinah glory of God shining brightly. And he says, fear not, behold, look into this incredible news and listen to this. Because this is for you and for every single human being. And it says, and the angels say this, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I bring you good news. That's the idea of the gospel. That's the same Greek word, illegalion, something like that. I learned Greek one time. This idea of the good news, it is the gospel. Now they're not thinking, oh, the gospel, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for my behalf in that phrase when the angel says it. They're just like, there is good news going on because in Israel at this time, the the whole Roman Empire is oppressing Israel. They're in captive to the Roman Empire. And so probably the initial idea of good news is like, man, the world around us is in a bad place. Just like when you turn on CNN or Fox News or whatever your news flavor is, You don't turn it on and be like, you know what? I'm just going to watch the news today because there's going to be good news on. No, every time we turn the news on, it is bad news, bad news, bad news. Unless you go back to the six o'clock news, which you can. And, you know, in my generation or an older generation, there was a six o'clock news. And right at the end of the six o'clock news, there was that really good heartfelt story. Like there's a cat in a tree. And the firemen rescued him today on Main Street. That was good news. We don't hear good news. We're flooded by bad news. And when the angels announce this, when the angels are announcing this to us, when we hear approach Christmas, behold, look into, this is good news. And he says this, of great joy. This idea of joy is not this temporary happiness. This great joy is a resounding joy that resounds in our heart because of who God is and who he is for us. 
You see, happiness is based on our circumstances, but joy is based on knowing God and who he is, despite our circumstances. And he says, this is good news of great joy. Not like half joy. This is great joy. And then he says, for all the people. In the original Greek language, it probably is first to Israel, for the people, meaning Israel. But it's first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles, for all the people. And listen to this. In the midst of the oppression of the Roman Empire, in the midst of bad news happening all the time around us, this is good news for all people. The gospel of Jesus Christ coming into the world is for every single human being, no matter what their race, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, social economic status. God is for every single human being, and he came into this world. And this is good news of great joy for all the people. That is what we anticipate at Christmas. Behold, look into this good news of great joy for every single human being. Is it for that person who's your neighbor? Is it for that person who's your coworker? Is it for you this morning? And God of the scriptures says, yes. God is not limiting to any single human being, but he's for every single human being. And the good news of great joy is for every person. And if you're sitting here this morning, you're wondering, is this for me? Could God ever use me? He's using the shepherds and announcing the news, and he's announcing this news. It's for all the people. God's heart breaks for every single person. He wants to announce this news. So he chooses the nobodies of the culture to tell everybody about God coming in a body. Of good news, of great joy for all the people. And the, new, this, the, the story isn't done there. This is like concentrated reality of what the scriptures are about. You know when you buy orange juice in that concentrated container in the freezer section? It's like that frozen thing of orange juice. What the angels are announcing right here is like this frozen, concentrated reality of what Jesus is. It's just concentrated in these verses. It's focused. Then he says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He goes on and says, David, in this city of David, a savior, one who will rescue and redeem. So this incredible news of one who's going to rescue. Now, probably in the minds of the shepherds, they're looking at the culture around them. And again, they're in captivity to the Roman Empire. So they're like, oh, one in the line of David is going to set us free from this whole empire of Roman. And we will establish Israel back to freedom. That's probably their first mindset. That's the grid in which they thought through. Yet as we see the story of God unfold with his humanity through the scriptures, we understand this idea of Savior as one of Jesus who saves us from Satan, sin, death, and our own flesh by dying on the cross, the death we deserve, and being raised to life to give us the life that we don't deserve. And that is what a Savior is. And every one of us in this room is caught in something, enslaved, in idolatry to something. As Kyle I talk, I talks many times about probably here by quoting Tim Keller. But we're all caught in something. For me, I get caught up. When I'm depressed, I go to anything that ends in Eidos. Fritos, Doritos, Cheetos. That's kind of my vice. That's my functional savior. We can laugh about it, but if I'm really depressed, it's like, yeah, call the Eidos truck. That's my functional savior to soothe my soul called comfort food. 
But these angels are announcing that this Savior came to redeem and rescue us from everything. Behold, focus, meditate this Christmas season on a Savior is born to redeem and rescue us from the junk that we are encircled and enslaved to. What is it for you that you need to behold this Christmas season of about a Savior who redeems and rescues us out of the junk of life? Not only is it Savior, but it says Christ the Lord, Jesus Christ. Christ isn't his last name, if you're not familiar with that. Christ is a title that's given of Jesus from the Father, that he's the anointed one. The Father said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. It is the anointed leader. He is Lord of Lords. I get anxious about a lot of things. I don't know about you. Maybe you're anxious about the Christmas season and where you're going to go and what you're going to do, what your future holds for you. I don't know. But you get anxious about these things. What would it look like this Christmas season to sit and meditate and behold that the one born in the manger is the Lord of lords. He is the King of kings. He's the anointed one that holds the beginning from the end and he holds it all together. In the midst of my anxiety and worry and wonder about the future, I can rest in knowing that he is Lord and I'm not. I think I'm Lord. I think I'm King. I think I know the future, but I can rest. What would it look like to behold this Christmas season, to be still and to know that this is good news of great joy for all the people, that a redeemer, a rescuer has come into the world, one who is anointed, one who is Lord, who holds it all together when I don't have to, but I think I should. This is a concentrated good news. This is the news that is shocking the shepherds out of the slumber of the routine of life. If you want to behold Christmas this week, meditate on these things in these few verses. But it's not over there. The angel appears, they're in fear, but then the backup singers arrive. The great angels and announce more news. So if not, they're just fear like there's one angel. And just so you know, angels are not these little things on your shoulder. These are incredible. Isaiah chapter 6 messengers of God that behold the glory of God and show the glory of God both in message and their being. But it goes on in verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. They're worshiping, giving praise to the one on earth and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. He says this, this is, there is peace that is coming through this one. Now, this is not like 1960s, 1970s, like VW bug, peace symbol, reality. This whole idea of peace throughout the story of the scriptures is this idea of God taking the broken pieces of humanity and bringing them back to wholeness. It is the idea, the Hebrew word for shalom. And when the shepherds are sitting in the fields and they know they're in captivity to the Roman Empire and they look at their own lives and they see the broken pieces of their heart shattered everywhere, and maybe you do, where are the broken pieces of your life in your own story that seem shattered across the storybook of your life? And you're like, could all these pieces ever be brought back together to wholeness? I feel like someone's taken something from me, both sexually, maybe interpersonally by abuse, and I feel fractured in all of my life. And is there someone that could come and to mend the broken pieces pieces of pottery back to my heart to make a beautiful mosaic to show the power of the one that would bring the pieces back together. And in this one word, peace, is that reality of the one born in the manger. Behold, one is coming into this world, has just been born 
Would you look into the one that can take the broken pieces of all of culture and the broken pieces of our own pottery of our heart and mend them back to a mosaic that gives glory to himself? Not to us, but to him. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people one who is going to redeem and rescue, one who is the anointed who holds it all together, and the one who mends humanity back together to wholeness in which he was, we were designed to have. Do you think that shocked those men <laughs> sitting in a field? The nobodies of the culture, this news came to them. It was shocking, and it is taking them out of the slumber of their life. So what do they do? What do you do when you get good news? Do you sit on it? What did the shepherds do after all this? After the, the, the angels disappear and their eyes adjust back to the sky of the stars and a twinkle is there and they look at each other and go, what in the world has just happened? <laughs> this was not like last night when we lost Billy the sheep down in the valley. This is a little different. So they had a choice. They could have been shocked and sat still because when you're shocked by something, sometimes we just sit still. Sometimes when we hear good news, we think that news is just for ourselves and we take that and put it in our pocket and this is just for me. What do the shepherds do once they hear this news, once they're shocked out of the slumber of their life? Do they sit still or do they begin to move? They do not let the grass grow under their feet, but they begin to move. And this is the story where it goes like this. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Listen, they realize this was not indigestion into their own system. This is not a hallucination. This wasn't like, man, we ate too many chicken wings and was that a dream or not? They realize that God has spoken to them. And now they have a responsibility of this incredible message. And it says this. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. They had heard it, but now they want to see it. They had heard this news. Now they want to see this news manifested. And the story goes on and it says this in verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They see this baby. Now, they probably made themselves through the valleys and the nooks and crannies of the outermost parts of Bethlehem. They moved in, walked into Bethlehem, and they went there. And they went to this cave, a soot-filled cave, with animals and a fire, and all the, the, the things that happen with animals. It is not this beautiful scene that we, oh, look at the manger scene. It's like sterile. No, this is a cave with soot and a fire and animals around and a baby wrapped in these clean clothes. And they look at this baby and they go, you know what? Let me tell you about this baby. I want to tell you all these things. This is good news of great joy for all the people. This is the anointed David. He is the redeemer, the rescuer. He is the ultimate king. He's the Lord of lords. He is the one who's going to bring peace to all these things. Do they know everything and understand everything? No, but they knew something. And maybe this Christmas season, you might be in a place of like, I just need to know everything. You don't need to know everything. You just need to know something and be still and meditate on that fact of what this story is about. They didn't get it all. They just announced this news. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. 
The ESV uses this word wonder, but this is the idea of amazement. It is this idea of wonderment. It is this idea of astonishment. Those who heard this news as they were gathered in this cave and look at this child were amazed and astonished. I don't know about you, but sometimes Christmas is the yada, yada, yada. And you kind of go through the routine. Would you say for yourself, this behold season, this Advent season, you are astonished, you are amazed, and you are in wonderment of what this season is about? Or are you anticipating the wonderment, the excitement, and amazement of what your kids or your grandkids will open up more on Christmas morning than the reality of what Christmas is about? They were amazed in wonderment as they heard this news. And it goes on, and Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Kyle talked about that last week, Mary's perspective, and it says this in verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as they had been told. They went there and they saw it. And they began to glorify, meaning give praise to God, magnifying him and praising him for all that he had done. That was their response. They had heard it, they had seen it, and they were now praising for what they had seen and heard. And maybe sometimes you're like, man, I just wish I could worship at home better. I wish I could just come to the Sunday gathering and just worship more on this Advent season. We can't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps to, to accelerate to this idea of glorifying and praising God. They had heard an incredible story and news. They had thought about it. They had seen it. And as a result of hearing and seeing, they gave praise for what was going on. And we only worship this Christmas season the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, the incarnation, God becoming one of us, when we sit and we're still enough to ponder these realities and the impact they have on us as individuals and the impact they have on our friends, family, neighbors, and coworkers. They were worshiping because they had meditated and they had thought about it and they had seen it and now they had experienced it and their result was worship. That Christmas night, shepherds were in the fields doing the daily routine of watching the sheep. Ordinary Joes, the outcast of culture. And out of the slumber of the routine, they were shocked with this incredible great news that gave them purpose to see and to share the good news of Jesus with all the people. So as I wrap up, I want to challenge you with two things. If you're sitting here this morning and you're here because your grandkids sang this morning or you're visiting Covenant for the first time, we're so glad you're here. And if you're on a spiritual journey of like, you know what, I don't really understand the story of Christmas. I've heard it, but what does that mean really for me? And you're investigating who Jesus is and pondering these things. I want to challenge you to look at this chapter yourself. Look at Luke chapter 2. Get a Bible. Kyle will buy you any Bible you want. Ask for the big family leather one that cost a lot. No, seriously. Get a Bible, get an app, and go to Luke chapter 2. If you have a paper Bible, that means opening it up, it will open up halfway. It's the Old Testament and New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's the third book of the New Testament. Go to the big number 2 in Luke. That's a chapter, and read that chapter that was read for us by the kids. And look into the story for yourself if you're investigating Jesus. Look at these words. What does it mean that Jesus is good news? What does it mean 
This is great joy in the midst of so much bad news and sadness in the world. What does this mean? It's for all the people. What does this mean that he is king of kings? He's Lord. What does it mean that he's the savior? What does it mean for me that he brings wholeness and peace to myself and the world around me? If you're investigating Jesus, I challenge you with that. To be shocked out of the slumber of your routine of life. To see life of purpose in Jesus. And if you've walked with Jesus for many years, and you've heard the story and you've read the story, I challenge you with the same thing. Sit with that news that was announced to the, the shepherds and look at those words. Meditate on those words. Chew on those words in, our own, in your own soul and mind until they penetrate our heart. For some of us in this room, we've heard this story so long, our heart is like Teflon to the story and the announcement. Good news, great joy for all the people. Peace, it's just like I've heard it. It just skips off our heart. What would it look like for one of those phrases, one of those words to penetrate your own heart and to explode it and to take the calluses of our own heart this Christmas season and begin to soften our heart, to fall in love with Jesus and to behold and have wonderment and amazement. The big idea was this this morning. The story, if we look into the story, if we listen to the story, if we allow the the story to be painted on the canvas of our own heart, it will shock us out of the routine of the daily life into a life with purpose because of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. You are king and we are not. We have so many routines, even after this, a family meal, watching Star Wars, things on our schedule tonight. And then this will wake up tomorrow to a groundhog effect of going through the routine of the day. But Lord, would you give us self-discipline? Holy Spirit, would you challenge us in our own hearts, minds, and souls to behold, to be still, to come to the place of wonderment and amazement and astonishment of this incredible news that was announced to the shepherds. Holy Spirit, would you take one of these phrases and implant it into the hearts of all of us, whether it be of good news in the midst of bad news? Would it be of great joy in the midst of just trying to be happy all the time? Would you bring it to say it is for all people, if it's for you in this room or for our friends, family, neighbors, and coworkers, and all those phrases, Holy Spirit, would you just bring one to mind to penetrate our hearts so we would behold in amazement the wonder of Christmas. In Christ's name we pray, amen.